The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Bloomberg Audio Studios. Podcasts. Radio. News. Sarah Hunt, I am very pleased to say, joins us now. Sarah, can you give us a sense of why NVIDIA is driving the market? Why maybe if NVIDIA misses, others couldn't necessarily rise up and take over? Well, I think that the good news was that Microsoft came out with good numbers and showed that some of the AI was actually fueling some of their earnings, right? This is the big question. Yes, this is great technology. Can you monetize it? NVIDIA is the poster child for that because it's the demand for those chips that's fueling everybody's usage of all of this. If they have any kind of wobble that anyone can say, well, maybe this isn't as fast and as quick as we thought it was going to be, I think that the whole story comes into question. And that whole story was, I think, instrumental in helping equity markets through the fall of last year when the rates looked like they were going higher and they were going to stay higher. And then all of a sudden, the market had something to hang its hat on, which was AI is coming, productivity is coming. We have something to look forward to because equity markets like a good story and they want to look forward to something. If it looks like that story has any kind of weakness, I think it's going to be a problem. We saw a $200 billion dollar market capitalization rally in one day for Meta. What kind of downside are you potentially bracing for with NVIDIA's earnings? Well, I think the thing is that, you know, people keep making parallels to, to 1999 and 2000 with the dot-com era and everything else. This time, you really have earnings to back it up. But if you don't see that earnings growth or the potential is, you know what, this, is, this year is going to flatten out a little bit, people are expecting some huge numbers and some huge growth out of these. The question is really going to be if you don't get it. Does the stock drop a lot? I don't know. It's really going to be what am I forward earning? What, what am I what am I looking forward to? And if that looks like that's going to slow down, I think that everything in this space has got a little bit of room to come down because everything has just moved so quickly and so fa- and so high. There is quite a frenzy, an almost mania uh, to, to the sort of the daily obsession. I think, as you said, Lisa, people are just waking up and they just check their NVIDIA price. And to the point on, on, on the flow show from Bank of America, I mean, you, you actively look at, at markets every day and you deploy. You, what conversation do you have about concentration risk and breadth? How do you deal with that? Well, I think that when you're constructing portfolios for clients, you want to make sure, I mean, it's very difficult when the market is this concentrated, right? Because no one's going to put a portfolio together that looks like the top of the S&P, because those five stocks are something like 30% of it. That's very unusual. So you talk to people and you explain to them that, yes, you have some participation in your portfolio, but if you get a change in rotation or a change in leadership, or you finally see that market broaden out like like everyone is looking for it to do, or you get some sort of slip up like in NVIDIA or earnings, you don't want to be 100% technology, because then you're going to feel that downdraft like you felt it in 2022. You want to be making sure that you have enough other things in the portfolio that are looking at different parts of the economy so that, yes, you have to have some tech because you can't be completely unexposed, but you can't be as exposed as the S&P or the Qs are. So where are those other parts in the portfolio then that warrant? Um, is, is it dividend flow? Is, is is it sort of a poor man? I think I had somebody actually say to me, get a poor man's NVIDIA. Uh, and I, you know, that that's a whole other story. But where are those other portions in the portfolio 
that you should be paying attention to. Consumer cyclicals, the consumer looks a little bit faltering at the moment. You've got oil, which is sort of range-bound, but paying out big dividends. So where are the, alter where are the alternatives? Well, you've got places where you've got really good cash flow and really good growth. You've got some industrials where that's happening. Mm -hmm. I know that energy has been a back-and-forth discussion, but there's still a lot of cash flow that's going on there. There's you've a heck of a lot of buybacks in that, isn't there? So you've got buybacks, you've got a lot of dividends there. We look at cash flows. Cash flows are very important. You look at some of the places in the industrial space, like HVAC, right? So Carrier and Train and the companies that are looking forward to a lowering period of growth because you're changing out how everyone is looking at their own HVAC systems. Everyone's looking for clean air, especially post the pandemic, right? So you've got places where there is going to be growth that are not just stuck to technology, but are have a technology yeah. component, which is, you know, cleaner air. All I can say is that I'm having HVAC issues right now, so this is going <laughs> close to my heart right now. I'm curious, though, uh, just to go to the broader economy and how you frame it out into an equity view, given the fact that we were just talking about some of the job cuts that we're seeing announced. How you view this, given that it's not showing up in some of the numbers that we're seeing in terms of unemployment? Well, it reminds me of the job cuts that we started to see. You know, when Facebook finally said, you know what, we've got to do, sorry, Meta, we've got to cut our forces, we have to stop spending, we have to do this. A lot of those job cuts didn't show up because they were in the higher echelons. And, and the question is, is that what's going is that is what's going on right now? Or is there some combination of people taking second jobs because the jobs numbers look so strong? It is hard to parse out exactly what's happening, but you can certainly see that there is some stress on the low-end consumer. You're seeing delinquencies come up on credit cards. You're seeing auto loan delinquencies come up. There is stress in the low-end consumer, but right now the higher-end consumer is still consuming, and so therefore you don't see that balance isn't there yet quite, but I think that there's some real stress under the hood of the system, and I think that's where you have some real tension going forward. This is what a viewer wrote in. The fact is the fact that if you're on the higher end of a pay scale, you actually cannot qualify for some of these unemployment benefits. So in that sense, is it those that are on the lower end of the socioeconomic scale in the United States that are dealing with inflation but still have their jobs, and those on the higher end potentially can deal with and withstand inflation, but are at risk of losing their job? Uh, there's a near-term series of issues of having your job and being able to deal with inflation, because I talk to people all the time who are, you know, it, who are not in the higher end, who are saying, look, you know, it, it doesn't matter that inflation isn't going high as fast. The price levels are much higher than they used to be, and they're not coming down. So yes, you might still have your job, but that spending is going to be tricky as you start to move towards, we're really out of fully out of COVID savings. Whatever raise I got isn't covering the fact that I'm going to start substituting down. Look at Kraft Heinz. Look at some of the earnings in the space where people are going, I'm going to trade to cheaper ingredients because it's too expensive to keep doing what I'm doing. And yes, to the high end, people are still spending, but if they're out of a job long enough. Do you buy into the administration's idea that there's greedflation, corporate gouging, and what companies are doing is shrinkflation and that they should be actually be passing it on to the consumer? I think shrinkflation has been going on for years. I mean, when was a pound of coffee 12 ounces? When did that happen? That wasn't in the last six months. That happened like five years ago. So I think that there's always been that sort of a movement. It's been much more obvious now because ingredients have gotten so much more expensive. Do people take advantage in inter in small ways? Absolutely. But is that, is that the reason? I don't think that's the reason. The reason is that price levels are just not coming down and they're not coming down all along the food chain. So yes, there are periods of time when people can prosper from that, but it doesn't last. One of the narratives from the CEOs that we've spoken to in, in, so far in this quarter has been the ability to raise prices. Hermes, I know that uh, Lee, 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 Lisa's not, Lisa is immune to the price rises at Hermes. Thanks. <laughs> but, it's true. but what we are seeing is somebody like Hermes is able to really uh, premium price, but the rest aren't. You're looking at booze companies that are having trouble in terms of volume at the lower end in Heineken. I caught up with the Moe Hennessy CEO. 
He said, I can't squeeze prices much higher than here. It's going to be a very different environment in prices. Now, the Fed are going to like to hear that. But in terms of corporate earnings, is that going to be, I don't, I don't know what the right word is, whether it's a headwind or a cap. It's, well, it's a margin squeeze, right? And in the end, a margin squeeze is part of a problem for earnings, which is for a while you had this world where, yes, inflation was going higher, but people could push price. Labor contracts hadn't caught up yet. So you did have yeah. a larger margin ability, an ability to get a larger margin. As labor start costs start coming up, as the ability to push price starts coming down, that's going to be the question because we're all baking in a large earnings growth for 2024. And I, are we going to get it? And the question is, I don't know. Can technology save us? Because they, their earnings were so much better. I don't know. I don't think we know yet. And I think that's one of the biggest problems that's going on. Sarah Hunt of Alpine Saxon Woods. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.